title of this message will be, I will sup with him and he with me. I don't know if that's a good title or not, but I'm going to play on those words a little bit uh, found in that verse, Revelation 3.20. And if you want to, you can go ahead and make your way over there and look at it. Recently, my wife and I attended a service, and we saw this girl that was moved by the message, moved by what was happening, and she began to cry. And something happened that upset us. It bothered us. And I spent days thinking about it and praying about it, meditating on it. And so I began to look for a verse in the Bible or, or some story or something that, about women crying. And the obvious story is the one where the woman washes Jesus' feet with her tears. And as I'm reading that story, I see a verse that my mind jumps over to Revelation 3.20. And let's look at it for a moment. I'm not going to preach the message or preach this message from Revelation, but it's a story we're all familiar with. I mean, everybody's heard the story of the lukewarm Laodicean church. I mean, if you've never heard any other message out of the book of Revelation, you've heard that one. Every preacher, every pastor's got their own little a lukewarm church sermon that they do. And so you've heard this. You've heard these verses. And Jesus accuses the church of Laodicea as being neither hot or cold. And he says, I would that you would be hot or cold. And because you're not either hot or cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. He gives them that kind of a threat. And so we know that we know the story. But in that story, there's this famous verse. It said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and him with me. That is a very popular verse when it comes to doing things like evangelism. I have led people to the Lord using this verse. And I emphasize that like Jesus is a gentleman. He stands at the door and he knocks. And he's just not going to barge in and impose himself upon you. He's going to wait for you to open the door to invite him in. And when he opens the door, he's going, then he's going to take advantage of the invitation and, and, and come in. And he's going to sit across from you and he's going to try to reveal some things about, about himself to you. He's going to try to reveal some things about yourself to you. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And so the Lord's up to something. And so I've used that verse many times. I've led people to the Lord using that verse. In fact, I have some gospel tracks that are made up, kind of a modified Roman road kind of a track. You know, uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And then I'll go into this, behold, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door, the door of your life, the door of your heart. And if you hear him, you hear his voice, you open the door, he'll come in and he will sup with you and you with him. And uh, I've used that verse. I've seen people saved using it. But sometimes people will correct me on that, saying, well, you shouldn't even be using that verse. That's not how that verse is to be used. That's a misrepresentation of that verse. It's not used in, a, in an evangelistic sense. And they're quick to point out that it's not like an individual he's talking to. Rather, he's talking to a church. 
And he is, no doubt he is. He's talking to this Laodicean church, lukewarm church, and he's basically saying, hey, I'm on the outside of your church. <laughs> I am on the outside of your church. You think you're perfect. You think you have no need of anything, but I'm sitting there telling you, you are pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And so he says, I stand on the outside of your church, your lukewarm church. And if any man can hear my voice and open the door, well, then I'll come in. And so it's in the context in which is written, he is addressing a church, but the same truth is at work here as well. He says, if you open the door, I will come in and dine with you and you with me. Now, I want you to turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36. And this is the story of the the woman who washes the feet of Jesus with her tears. Let's begin reading in verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to meet. Yeah, does that sound familiar to you? That's exactly what he said he would do over there in Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door. If any man hear my voice... And open the door, I will come into him, and I will sup with him, and he with me. Here you have a guy that's invited him over. It says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to meet. I don't know. This is just like exactly what Jesus said he would do. If you invite me in, I'll come. I will come. And I will sit across from you, and I will dine with you, and I'll, re I'll answer any questions you might have. I will um, reveal things about myself to you. I will reveal things about you to yourself, <laughs> you see? And uh, here the invitation's there, and this man opens the door and lets him in. But you don't get the same effect. What happens here is not what you would expect to happen. It says here, And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat at the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man... If he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Isn't that amazing? The Lord comes in, sets a cross from him. Others are there at this, at this meal as well. A woman comes and begins to wash the Lord's feet with uh, tears. She is giving him honor. She is worshiping him. She's loving on Jesus in an extravagant kind of a manner. And uh, the Lord's sitting across from him here. And instead of seeing things like the Lord sees them, he sees them a little bit different. The Pharisee looks at this, and he's critical of Jesus. He's critical of the Lord. And he says, if this, if this man wouldn't know who this woman is, or what manner of woman she is, uh, he, would not, he would not have her do this because she's a sinner. See, this is, this is the thing. This is what we do sometimes. 
we will invite the Lord, we'll entertain him for a while. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to get the Lord to look at things as we would look at them. We want to change him. We want him to see things the way we see them. But the Lord says, no, that's not what I'm here for. I want you to begin to look at things the way that I see them. But he comes in very critical of the Lord. And isn't that how a lot of people are? I mean, I hear people all the time say things like, well, God's never done anything for me. And these are people who profess to be believers or at least one time at one time professed to be the believer. But something, you know, went haywire. Something didn't work the way they thought it would work or something didn't happen the way they thought it should happen or their prayers weren't answered the way they saw, uh, thought they would be answered. And so they they say things like uh, God's never done anything for me. You know, God never answers my prayer. And then they'll they'll even refuse to pray or anything anymore and they will be mad and they'll say things like oh you pray to your god because he's never done anything for me but isn't that a terrible attitude and see the problem is is that you're looking at things from the wrong perspective you're sitting there looking at things from a a selfish inwardly kind of turned thing and the lord's sitting there saying no man you're thinking the wrong way there's something wrong with your thinking it's not about you you see and you got to believe by faith you come to the lord by faith, believing by faith, and waiting upon the Lord. And when you've got that kind of a spirit working in you, well, then you begin to see the Lord working, even at times when other people don't see the Lord working. But this is what happens. I'm sure this Pharisee, he probably just got home from church himself. You know, he probably just spent the day in the temple. <laughs> you know, he was probably singing, raising his hands or whatever, or he... Uh, you know, he was he felt important enough that uh, he could inquire of Jesus to come to his house to eat, you know. So he had a position of leadership or something like that. I'm almost certain of that. And uh, Jesus took him up on his invite. and But instead of going in and, and seeking the Lord, he kind of had this attitude that I need to be, I need to straighten Jesus out. I got to straighten him out. And the Lord is looking at things a little bit different. He said, no, you're the one that needs to be straightened out. Anyway, he says this in verse 40. Then Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. This is kind of funny. You know, uh, no, nah, Jesus, uh, Jesus has something he needs to say to him. He's got something he needs to correct about his thinking. He does this even to these other churches in the book of Revelation. You read those churches in the book of Revelation. He'll give them uh, commendations. He'll tell them some good things that they're doing. But then he'll turn it around and he'll say, but I've got one thing against you or I have somewhat against you. And he'll begin to uh, show them something or rebuke them about something uh, specific. And he's doing the same thing right here. He thinks he's perfect, you know. Just like that church over at Laodicea, you know, they had everything they needed. They didn't see themselves as being in need or they didn't see them think themselves as being in want. You know, they saw themselves as being rich. The Lord comes along and says, no, you're pitiful, poor, blind and naked. You know, he tries to show them something. Buy from me these things. Buy from me gold tried by fire and, you know, white raiment and I salve and all that kind of thing. And so he's trying to do the same thing with this Pharisee right here who thinks he's perfect, you know, 
or at least better than this woman who sits across from him. And, uh, and the Lord says, no, I got something I need to show you. And then in verse 41, he says, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors and one owed him 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love me most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. It's amazing. The, the deal is, he's looking at this like he doesn't even see himself as being in need of forgiveness. You know, he, he sees himself as being better than this poor woman who's washing his feet with their tears. Jesus is saying, well, who forgives them? Who, who loves the most? The one who is forgiven the most. And he gets the right answer. But uh, he's, he is... A few chapters later, Jesus tells a story in chapter 18 of Luke. And he tells this story. It says that a Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithe of all I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. And so there's other stories just like this, people who think they've got it all together, that they have no need. And Jesus is reminding them, no, the one who is forgiven most loves the most, and they look at themselves in their own righteousness like they have no needs at all. And so God's crying, trying to correct their thinking, if, if you will. And look how critical this man is, not just toward Jesus, critical of Jesus judging him, but he's also critical of this woman who is there weeping and washing Jesus' feet with her hair. And so in a way, he's trying to uh, crush the spirit. You know, he's trying to, the other night at this service that we attended, it was a Christmas Eve candlelight service. And it was a good service. I mean, the Lord was really working. The Lord was moving. It was very, it was very good. It wasn't a very long service. It was only about 30 minutes long. Uh, we sang Christmas hymns and things like that. And there was uh, moments where different families in the church would get up and they would share portions of the Christmas story. And then the pastor got up and shared a little devotion about how light penetrates the darkness. He did a great job and, uh, and things, but it was a very moving service. And when the pastor wrapped up his message, the lights all kind of dimmed down and they light the candles and they begin, you know, one by one, the candles are being lit in the room and everything. Well, there was a family sitting in front of my wife and I, and it was like a grandmother and a grandfather uh, their kids, the parents, there's a, a mother and father there with their kids. And, uh, but the girl, there was a young girl there, maybe about 13 years old. And you could tell these people weren't all churched. They might've been saved or Christians or, or identified themselves as Christians or called themselves Christians. And I, I imagine most of them were, my guess is some of them were there. They were only there just to kind of appease grandma and grandpa or something like that. But the mother of this girl was the type of person she was uncomfortable in there. And uh, she was kind of a distraction. You know, have you ever seen those people who 
they refuse to listen to what the Lord is up to. I mean, they, they, they are determined not to hear anything. And then to make sure nobody else can hear anything around them, they're a distraction to everybody else as well. Well, this woman, the mother of this girl, was like that. Well, when the service was going and it got down after the pastor was, you know, gave a little gospel presentation and, and everything like that, uh, this girl was moved. I mean, she was moved to tears. And the mother looked over there at her and s- mocked her and started laughing at her. And, and whatever the Lord was up to, it sh- that mother just squashed the spirit in that girl. I mean, and killed whatever the Holy Spirit was doing. And I thought to myself, man, isn't that sad? It's sad. I mean, it, I hated it. Uh, it. It really bothered me. But I got to thinking, you know, the same thing happens a lot, uh, even with me. And don't think that we're capable. We're not capable of doing the same thing. There are times I can be at a church and I'll be preaching and man, the Holy Spirit will start doing something. I mean, it doesn't happen often. And so when it does happen, you you realize it's going on. And there may be people moved to tears or something starts to happen. You can tell it's, you can tell that God's up to something. There's some kind of a, a spiritual thing happening. But it makes the pastor so nervous he can't stand it anymore. And he'll cut it short or cut it off or, or he'll come up and he'll make a, a silly comment or he'll make a comment about something he saw on the Internet or something like that. And whatever the Holy Spirit was doing is squashed just just like that you know but you know i'm capable of doing the same thing there are times my wife you know she'll be watching something or she'll read something or see something or hear something and it's moved it's moved her to tears and i'll look over there and she's crying or got some tears coming down i'll look at her and i said what what are you crying about (laughs) you know i may not be as mean about it but I can squash whatever the Holy Spirit is trying to accomplish and everything as well. And I can see that happening here. Same kind of a thing in this, uh, this, uh, with this attitude that this Pharisee has concerning Jesus and the woman who is washing his feet. Anyway, in verse 44, it says, And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou givest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet, my head, which with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but in whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. So he's trying to say, look at it this way, guy. Look at it this way. And then he turns to the woman and says, thy sins are forgiven. You know, it's not the emotionalism or anything like that. I look at this foot washing, the woman washing Jesus's feet. She's giving him honor. She's loving on him. She's worshiping him. Uh, She's moved to do this. Uh, This is the first work in which we are called to do. But I look at these things like you're joining in the ministry of Jesus. You see, those feet are are the feet that have uh, been out doing ministry. Those feet are the one that has ministered to the poor and they've ministered to the widow and and things like that. 
The Pharisee, who sees himself as being better than everybody else, and above all of that, he doesn't want to have anything to do with the with the feet. And I've heard the stories and the stuff about how it was customary for people to wash their feet when they come in, and they normally had servants do it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the point is here, this man, he wasn't going to stoop to that level at all. And, uh, and when this woman uh, washes the, the feet of Jesus... It's indicating that she's a part of his his ministry. She's joining him in his ministry kind of a thing. It's that self-denying, sacrificial kind of love that uh, that we give to Jesus. And that's the kind of thing that we need to be kind of thinking of there when we see that. But anyway, that's the thoughts that I'm having concerning this. And, and man, we need to be careful about things. Uh, we need to be careful of the way we see ourselves. We need to be able to to esteem others better than ourselves. We need to be able to lift others up and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. We don't want to squash what the Spirit's trying to do, you know, and sometimes we do. And I don't know if we know we're doing it or not, if it's intentional or not intentional, but we need to be cautious of these kind of things and not stop or try to hinder what the Holy Spirit is trying to do, rather pointing people to the Lord. And so you'll go home. I mean, after this message is over, I mean, you'll click off the recorder and all that, and you'll go about your business. But, you know, you're going in, when you leave, you're going in and you're sitting across from Jesus. And see, here's the deal. Jesus is trying to reveal something of himself to you, and he's trying to reveal something of you to yourself and where your heart is and what kind of spirit you have in you. Uh, we're the most neediest people on the planet. I mean, we've got to see ourselves as being in need of forgiveness. We're in need of forgiveness if if more if if not more than anybody else, you know, and so we need to keep uh, keep uh, keep watch of that kind of thing even in our own life. Thank you, Lord, for just uh, what you're trying to open ourselves up, but thank you for that invitation, God. That if we open the door and allow you in, that you'll enter in. You'll come in. You will sup with us and us with you. But give us enough sense, Lord, not to try to boss you around, tell you what needs to be done, but help us to be the ones receiving, Lord. And so we come to you asking you, Lord, to help us to see things from your perspective, not ours. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.